Dear listener, welcome to the podcast Holding Space. We are your hosts, Aminata Cairo and Winnie Rosenval. In this podcast, we take you along exploring my new book, Holding Space, a storytelling approach to trampling diversity and inclusion. This book is dedicated to offering a new, alternative perspective on engaging a world strive with questions and challenges. I wrote this book specifically for you, the audience, with the hope that it can be a gift that you can put to good use. We have invited some of you, the audience, to explore some of the chapters of this book with us. What does this book mean to you, to us? What can it mean and how does it translate into action? We hope you will stick around and enjoy these conversations. For this episode, Aminata and I invited Mala, Priya and Denise. Mala Paltu from Utrecht is the founder of advice and training organization Dimensa. She's not easily placed in a box and loves to disrupt boxes as she encounters them. She loves dialogues in which all listen to each other and feel listened to. Priya Kate is a music teacher, singer and trainer. She is the director of Aslan Music Center, an expertise training and talent academy for the performing arts in Amsterdam. She is a dedicated and passionate advocate for culturally diverse and inclusive arts and culture education. Denise Estelle Brown is an African-American poet, painter and novelist. She recently attained her master's degree in liberal arts from Johns Hopkins University. Denise is the proud mother of four daughters and one son. So welcome everyone. Uh, welcome to the studio, Mala, Priya, Denise from Kentucky and of course Aminata. Um, good to have you here. Today we have the power of silence. And I'm really curious what your first thoughts were wh- when you read this chapter. And Mala, can I start with you? Uh, when I first read the chapter, uh, I thought silence was uh, both-sided. Mm. So uh, you can be silenced or uh, you have to be silenced. Mm. So it, it can be both ways, especially uh, when I read it. It's also about the silence in yourself. Mm-hmm. If you are silenced with yourself, then you can open up to the world. Yes. If you want to. Yeah. So the text had for me different layers. Mm-hmm. And what is your first reaction when when you think about silence? I think it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. There is a Chinese historian way, way back before Christ, uh, Sima Kian, who said, uh, silence is the loudest word. Mm. And I have that in my study room. In, in in German, <laughs> stilte is das loudeste word is 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 there. I watch it sometimes, and I think it's true. Nice. That silence is the loudest word in the context that you use it. So, do you use a lot of silence yourself? Yes, I'm an observer. Mm. I like to watch, and I do uh, a lot of dialogues where you have to listen mm. and be silenced. Yeah, I have a, a lot uh, with silence. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. So, Denise, what were your first ideas and thoughts when you read this chapter? I agree, um, likewise, about the the power of uh, silence Mm. in one-to-one relationships with people. Sometimes that's the strongest way to make your point is to, as we say, give someone the silent treatment. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I think that inflicts more more pain and suffering a lot of times than words, than angry words, is to shut down from someone. So looking at it from that perspective, silence says a lot. Mm. When you stop talking to someone uh, or when you decide not to engage with someone, that has a lot of power. Mm-hmm. With Looking at it in just a more positive way, 
becoming silent allows you to be at one with yourself mm-hmm. and to really become introspective and work through uh, a situation or mm-hmm. an issue uh, with your own thoughts, which of course makes you more, uh, gives you more strength, gives you more of a sense of control that I think is something powerful as an individual to use. Mala, you also said like some silence within yourself. I think this is what you just said, um, Denise. There's something in the Bible that says, there's a, a verse that says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Mm-hmm. Being quiet about something can be very important. Mm. Amanada talks about it being silent as, as a protection. It's also very strategic. Sometimes when you're when when you are when you are too forthcoming with information, you can undermine what you're trying to accomplish. So sometimes it's very important to be discreet mm-hmm. about your intentions, about your plans. Everyone doesn't have to know everything you're doing mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and what direction you anticipate going. Uh, it can be very important to hold back and not feel that you have to um, divulge all your information. Yeah. Sometimes that can cause you to lose an advantage that you may have in a situation. I, I was just thinking of the uh, Kenny Rogers song, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know, all of that. You, being quiet, you have to know when to be quiet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> you have to know when to be silent. So being silent has so many advantages to it and the potential to be so powerful. I'm sorry to interrupt, just because I recently heard uh, Denise did the exact same thing when it comes to when you have a dream that you want to accomplish something, to not share that right away. Because what you get, people yes. go, well, are you sure? Why should you be doing it? I don't think you should, you yes. know, and then all those <laughs> doubts, you know, which is their insecurities and their whatever, you know, they start planting that in your head. And, and then that takes mm. away your power and your momentum. Like, well, maybe they're right, you know, and, and. Yeah, you start to doubt. Start to doubt, yes. I'm also curious what Priya, her, her first uh, thoughts yeah, were. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of different um thoughts <laughs> went through through my mind reading this um chapter so aminata talks about how when when sometimes being silent it also can mean that um of course it can it can protect yourself and it can have a lot of positivity as we've spoken about the positive sides to being silent for yourself but on the other hand it can also mean that sometimes you can miss a connection mm. with another person And I think I'm the kind of person who finds that very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're talking about the silent treatment, um, uh, I find that <laughs> if I if I make it very personal um, in my relationship with my, I would say, um, yeah, my my boyfriend is the kind of guy who is quite good at the silent treatment. <laughs> and I'm basically like nudging at him to kind of say, tell me what's going on. Let's have a conversation and then we can solve what's going on. Yeah. So that's kind of what triggered what was triggered inside of me that I I really love having the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I always want to hear what is going on with people and I can't force people to share it with me, of course. No. Um, so I'm aware of that. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Yeah, so that. But, but yeah. you mentioned it like missing some sort of a connection. Yeah. And that's yeah. the reason why people are giving people, your boyfriend is giving you the silent <laughs> treatment in this case. Yeah, the, some, something is, some, something ha- has happened, you know. Yeah, I, have, yes. I have done something or, some, all right, or something has, <laughs> has been going on. Or, um, and I'm the kind of person who wants to talk about it and yeah. to find a way to solve it. But I've learned also through him <laughs> but also in general i think in life that it's not always the solution mm-hmm. um that sometimes it's also okay to give something space and um talking about something um yeah it it can be very helpful in the right moment yeah. if people feel like sharing uh, yes 
Yeah. Interesting. So, I w yeah, so just to go back to what Aminata also wrote, uh, the beautiful story where she talks about what, she, you know, the, the, the story that Aminata shared with, with a white audience mm -hmm. and um, sharing her story and feeling listening, listened to, mm -hmm. um, but doing it on her terms and, and, and in a way that, that felt comfortable. And um, yeah. that was, yeah, it, it touched me. Yeah. Because it, it seemed like it, it, um, yeah, in many levels, yeah. I also see Mala in the studio nodding the whole time <laughs> while Priya was talking about <laughs> the silent treatment. So maybe you want to say something about this as well? Yeah, I find it funny in a relationship. Uh, yeah. How, the, how, the, how, how does it work with connection and silence? And uh, yeah. I have the opposite. Uh, <laughs> I am silent and my husband is, is very much, uh, he yeah. wants to talk about everything. <laughs> So, yeah. So <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah. 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 Let me respond to that, and then I'll, and then I'll share the story for for the listeners. And sometimes, you know, with the silence, specifically when you're talking about a relationship, sometimes it's also about timing. You know, you are ready to talk in that moment, but for the other person, well, maybe I need some time. You know, silence is also, but give me some time. You know, I will get to it when I'm ready to talk. But it's like. This means you don't want to talk. Well, it means maybe I don't want to talk right now, but maybe it needs to sink in. I need to process it. And when I'm ready, yes. I'll yeah. come. So sometimes, you know, because now, now when we will meet your boyfriend, like, mm, we know about you. But you know. <laughs> I, know. I always share. I share too much, I think, always. That's another problem I have. So I'm sorry. So I was like, ah, in you were the silent treatment. So, so in defense of you him, and I don't even treatment. know him yeah. personally, but, you know, um, yeah, it's also about, you know, we have different rates of processing, you know, and, and mm -hmm. we are so trained to know it right away and to have the answer right away and to want to solve it right away and to like, okay, let me rest. Let me think in, let me breathe. Let, you know, okay. Okay. And then when I'm ready, you know, um, it'll come. So. The year was 2014 and the killing of Michael Brown had happened. I lived in a town across the Missouri river on the Illinois side a mere 20 to 25 minutes away from Ferguson. Ferguson was in our backyard and we felt it. Are you going to the protest? Was something you heard daily. People were going daily, bringing their children, friends. I didn't go. I had my reasons. The killing of Michael Brown was bad enough, but the fact that they left his body lying on the ground in a residential area for hours, for everyone to see, the disrespect of black life, not just his, but the whole community was so evident. As a black person and a mother of three black boys, this hit me deeply. And even though we did talk about it amongst each other, the level of disruption within me was so great that rather than speaking out, I withdrew into silence. I had to sit with what it meant, how I chose to share what was happening with my boys and how to restore some sense of healing within my spirit until that phone call came. This is the pastor from the Love Church. I see what is going on and I think I understand, but I'm just a white guy and my understanding only goes so far. I really would like to understand. Would you be willing to talk to me and I would just listen? The request was sincere. It was also different than I'd ever had before. So I agreed, and we met. We met, and we talked for at least two hours. Well, I mostly talked, and he listened. I had not talked to many white people like that before, with that honesty and freedom. There are a few that I'm close with, with whom I can be totally honest, but mostly I censor myself, something I think most of us do. At the end, he asked me if I would be willing to talk to the congregation. Now that was something else. If I don't talk to white people on an individual basis about how racism affects my life, you can imagine that I don't talk to crowds of white people about this. But I agreed. Because of my experience in that meeting and because I trusted him. That Sunday, I was the second speaker. I sat on the podium next to the pastor. On the other side of him sat the first speaker, a white woman who was a principal of an elementary school in Ferguson, but lived in our town. She shared how she missed her babies and how her heart went out to them. Because of the protests, the school had been closed, 
but she had gone by and had been able to hug some of them. It provided a touching, humane story of connection. Then it was my turn. I started out by saying that I normally don't talk to white people about racism because I don't think they can go there with me, but that the pastor had asked me if he could listen to me and in doing so became my brother. It was my brother's request that I was there, so that is why I was willing to share this time. I connected with the previous speaker's story about how we went to hug and love on those children, but I told them, when they are 15 or 16, they are not cute and cuddly anymore. Just because of their color and size, they are seen as suspect or a threat. I talked about what that was like for them and for me as a mother. I talked about the talks I would give my boys when they would venture out in the public space by themselves, the behavior codes they would have to abide by. I told them about the anxiety we as parents are left with when they do go out and the relief when they come home. I talked about the fact that racism is not about nice or not nice individuals, but about a system that is maintained because it benefits some of us. I talked and told brutally honest about my life as a black woman in America to a sea of whiteness. And they listened. Some cried. The blues aesthetic demands that we are brutally honest about our pain, and I was that day. Afterwards, many came up and talked to me. For the first time in the several years that I had been attending the Love Church, I felt a real connection. Something had shifted, not just for the congregation, but for me too. For years, I had told myself, I do not talk to white people about racism because they cannot go there with me. This attitude did not come out of arrogance, but out of experience. During the 1990s, I had attended several diversity and anti-racism trainings, trainings which I started to refer to as the waiting for the white people to get it trainings. I had been in trainings where the people of color would nod in recognition to the presented material or would send each other knowing smiles and nods while the white people went deeper and deeper into shock by learning about our experiences. By the end, they would come to us quite traumatized, emotional, wanting us to know that they were not aware and that they were not bad people, etc. They would come to us in the hope we would make them feel better, absolve them, who knows? All I know is that it turned me off. And thus, I silenced them because I could not be bothered with the fragility of it all. I don't mind you getting emotional, but do the work. Don't come to me to do the work for you. Part of my silencing was out of protection for myself, but also out of protection for them. For if I were to really let loose and express from the depth of my soul what I had experienced and bottled up, it would only hurt them. Blue's aesthetic might require brutal honesty. I had no faith that they could handle mine. So silence worked. It was fine. Until this day. With the trust of Mapo and Zambia and my dad at my back and my church brother at my side, I talked and opened up honestly. I did not censor myself, but spilled my truth. What I learned is that in order to do so, I only have to rely on and trust those who held my back. But I have to trust my audience as well. Sure, there were some who might fall into their fragility and make it about their feelings, but not all of them. I had to give them the benefit of the doubt that there were some who were willing to go there with me, even if they didn't know how. By blanketing all of them as not being able to go there and automatically rejecting them, I was denying some of them the opportunity who could and would go there with me. That realization shifted something in me and forced me to grow. Is this also what moved you, Priya, when you read this specific example? Yeah. Because you just said you were touched by it, right? Was this? I think I'm very aware of... Um, the fact that that white people yeah. should not expect to always just ask for yeah. um, stories for information from um, people who have who have to deal with with racism or with um, yeah to put it like that mm -hmm. 
So it's it's it should be on someone's own terms. And it sounded like the way that, you know, um, Aminata was asked to, to share her story. And because um, I, when I was reading the story, I was very curious which which direction it was would go. Yeah. Because um, um, whether it would have a, a good ending, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, and I was. Yeah, it, it it seemed like it was a, a beautiful way to to connect with other people, and that it was a good experience for everybody. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I know that that's not a given that that is the situation. You know, when George Floyd happened, you know, I did get the calls. I want you know, tell me what to do. Tell, you know, which is different from would you be willing to talk so that I can listen? That's different. Or I've also had the call. You know, this has moved me, um, and so I want to do something with this. And so I'm going to do something. What do you think about that? That's very different than tell me what to do, you know? Inform me, teach me, like, ugh, you know, mm, read yeah. a book. You know, come mm. on, you know, Google it, YouTube it. There's, you know, but, yeah. and, and mm. so, so, yeah, so there's different responses. There's different responses. And because, you know, one might be unpleasant doesn't mean mm. that they're all unpleasant, you know? And um, yeah, maybe there's some if if I can if you know, something I took away, let's say, is is that you can of course ask the question yeah. to may I listen to you? You know, are you would you like to share your story with me? Yeah, and that somebody can of course say yes or no, and that that's all fine. Mm-hmm. Because I think listening to each other's stories can be very powerful. Yeah, but also being okay with just silence and with that it doesn't. Yeah come whenever yeah. you want it to come is yeah. also okay yeah. yeah the rejection sometimes yeah. because people yeah. are not ready yeah. to share in the in case of the silent treatment <laughs> uh denise yes how is this all for you thinking about uh the story that uh, amanada shared with um the conversation at the church it really struck a chord in me because uh, in my own situation, I struggle sometimes to know when is the right time to speak up, mm. when is the right time to hold back. You don't want to be in a state of anger mm. all the time. Yes. As you see injustices around you, as you see unfair things happen that you know are rooted in in racist thinking, in racist behaviors. Um, and you're, you're trying to, on a very personal level, you're trying to have some peace in your own life mm. and you're trying to have some joy mm. in your relationships with, you know, at home and, um, and sometimes dwelling on these things that you really, you have no, cho- uh, no choice but to think yeah. about them because they're in your face all the time. Yeah. Uh, they happen all the time. And especially if you have black children, it's mm. constantly thrust upon you. So you would like to just stick your head in the sand and, and not have to, to deal with these things, not have to think about them. But you really have no choice. Mm. Um, but you want, you're, you're trying to have some sense of, of well-being, some sense of joy um, in, your, in your personal life at home. Uh, and these things come along and disrupt that. And it's very frustrating. It can make you angry. Yeah. But you don't want to be in a state of anger all the time as these things happen around you. And not just happening to yourself, happening to other people. And and that is upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um especially if you're a pathetic person. If if you're if you have strong empathy, mm-hmm. you're upset as you see other people suffer mm-hmm. uh injustices. I also hear you say, while raising black children, does that mean that you you are raising children at this moment, or maybe? Yeah, I have five children. You have five children. I have four daughters. Yeah, um, and then I thought I was done, and then (laughs) (laughs) I thought all that was behind me. All those days were behind me, and then I I got a surprise. And I got a, a son, oh, wow. um, which I was delighted about because I I didn't think I would have a boy. No, that's so great. I, she was so I had good those four at, girls at the girls. Grow. <laughs> that's great. Yes. So you had a son. <laughs> so I finally had a son yeah. at, the, at the very 
because Aminata and I would joke, you know, she had the boys, I had the girls. Yes. And we, we would compare compare notes on um, what it's like to, and, and I would tell her, well, she didn't, she, she got blessed. She didn't have to deal with all this female emotion and all of these hormonal type things that, that girls go through. And she would laugh and, and rub it in my face about how easy boys can be at times yeah. <laughs> so, as far as the emotional side of things as far as just dealing with emotions and those mm-hmm. types of things. but but finally I'm, I'm getting to see I'm not I'm getting to see the joys of a boy yeah. so it's, it's been uh, he's about to be 12 this summer oh, so wow. um oh, wow. and so now um I'm I'm looking even um more closely at these types of situations that I'm going to have to be worried about yeah. mm-hmm. having a black boy raising yeah. a, a raising a black male child and what that's going to mean. Mm. I, I mean, I've had issues with my girls, you know, being black girls and and dealing with uh, harassment from from police officers, mm-hmm. things of that nature. I've I've had issues with them and they're females, and so I'm even more concerned about having a son. And he's very outgoing. He likes to go to the basketball court and yeah. shoot ball by himself. Mm. And he likes to do things. And now I have to be yeah. hyper vigilant and worried about incidences and situations. And he's going to be a tall boy, so he's going to be big yeah. for his no age. Mm. Um, he's already super tall. Yeah. Yes. So. There, there are all of the, the perceptions that come with that, that he, mm-hmm. he's not a child, even though he is, mm-hmm. that he could be intimidating, that he could be threatening uh, because of his size, because of his height. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of those types of things I have to be worried about. And I'm just bracing myself uh, as he comes through these teenage years, early adult years to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I know, I know Amanada knows full well, yeah. uh, the weight of that, keeping, uh, black men alive. I, I've talked to older people and they, older people, um, raising children in the fifties and sixties and seventies mm-hmm. and o- older black people saying that when they had sons, their number one job was to keep them alive. Yeah. And that is so heavy. That is such a heavy burden. Mm. I couldn't even imagine. Mm. And these were in times where black men turning up lynched was not that uncommon. Mm-hmm. So if you, in those years, if you had black sons that you were raising, I just can't imagine the daily pressure to not let them end up dead. Yeah. Is such a weight, such mm. a burden. It's heartbreaking. Mm. And then to know that that fear is still with us. Mm. That's still, that's still, an, that's an ever present threat. You know, it might not be so much a lynching, uh, actually being hung from a tree these days. That might not be so, uh, so much of an occurrence, but this police brutality is very real. Yeah. Um, you know, just, getting stopped for a, a traffic violation, getting mm. stopped jaywalking, mm. getting stopped riding your bicycle on the sidewalk and ending up dead. I mean, it's just so crushing and so heavy. Yeah. And this is also what you write about in this chapter, Aminata, mm-hmm. about keeping your children safe and teaching them how to respond to the things that they are yeah. going through yeah, in yeah. the outside world, right? And Denise, I also appreciate what you say about, but you also want some mental well-being, you know? Uh, because of the work that mm. I do, people think that I think yeah. about racism 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So everybody's sending me all these little films yeah. about, you know, one racist act is like, oh my Lord, <laughs> you know? And, and <laughs> you know, and, and mm. you name it, I've mm. seen it and they send it to me. We go, oh, you need to know, but do you know how much... So I don't look at it. You know, I don't look at it because mm. it is a very real aspect of my life and, and of my children's lives. And at the same time, we also deserve to enjoy life. And there's also more to life than racism. And yeah. there's nature and there's who we are as human beings. And and 
And so, so sometimes I silence that purposefully because, you know, it's also so much that I can carry or I'll be, or I will just be depressed and that's no good either. Right. You know, so how, so, so yeah. So that silence again, as, as protection, then, you know, there's certain things we don't have to talk about it all the time or, or, um, you know, and, and to make room for something else and to make room to just be, um, and, you know, and it's very real and yes, Mm -hmm. I deal with it, but at the but in order to deal with it, I also have to be strong within myself. I cannot be beaten down and then have to deal with racism. And so, yeah. Uh, Mala, because I, I'm curious, was there something in this chapter that stood out for you? What stood, stood out for me? Uh, I wrote it down. Uh, that was the sentence, I can connect to any human being regardless of their story if I connect to the essence of who they uh, are uh, and not their story. Mm. So um, you look at somebody, uh, at someone as the whole person he or she or X is, mm-hmm. um, and, and not their story or not uh, that identity. If I walk into a, a room, mm. uh, people have to see me like, oh, there, there is Mala, the person, and mm. not oh, she is a female. Oh, she is brown. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is from India, or 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 uh, yeah. Yeah. oh, she's tall, or uh, yeah. uh, so. You uh, you have to look um, at each other as as human beings, mm. as the persons who, uh, uh, who they are, and and th- and that struck me. And I'm doing that also in my life mm-hmm. to see. To, I'm trying to to see people as a person. It's sometimes very hard, of course, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. <laughs> uh, I also label, but. I'm trying, and I also have children, two boys, and I'm trying to give that to them. And don't say, "Oh, he he is fat," because uh, yeah, um, uh, my oldest son has as as a uh, has a uh, friend, and he is yeah really fat. Mm-hmm. So uh, and he he always makes names o- of him, mm. and 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 uh, and I say, "Hey, look at me as the as the person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, call him by his name." Mm. So now he doesn't do do that anymore. <laughs> Uh, but that, 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 that are micro things you can do to to see somebody as as as, as a person uh, yeah. and change all those yeah. labels we're having because yeah. we, we do have them yeah, we all have them but you're trying to change it in in his yeah uh, in his perspective exactly yeah because yeah. we're all human who, human beings and yeah. and people have come up with the labels to mm-hmm. make it easier for them mm-hmm. to separate yes also I think it's also like some some neurological thing to to stay safe. Yes, yes. Uh, if you have to figure out all the people you are uh, dealing with, you you ran into, and you have to, your brain has has to make clear if it's a safe person or not. So so there's a reason why we're making yeah, all those labels. Yeah. But yeah, then yeah, yeah, unconscious, your unconscious yeah. uh, brain. Yeah. So uh, it's good that you, that you have that, that because we, otherwise we will go go crazy. Crazy, yeah. But uh, you can be aware of something, of course, and, and we can change. Yeah. The, and if you want to, it's up to you. Yeah. If you want to change, and there's a re- yeah. responsibility there. Yeah. Because it's easy to say, well, it's unconscious. Oh, yes, that's true. But yeah. you do have a responsibility to react or to respond yeah, no, especially if you want to change yes but but not everybody wants to change that's of, true. <laughs> and everybody has a different perspective that's of cha- of change so uh, if somebody uh, doesn't want to change that that's fine that's, and that's up to them that's up to them yeah. yeah yeah and we hope that there are enough people who do want to right bria for you was there something that stood out that made made sense in the text in the, this chapter um, yeah, of course, what I mentioned before yeah. about, um, yeah, maybe to to just speak a little bit more about it in, in regard of what Aminata writes, um, not in regard to my relationship, is that I think it can be very beautiful when it does work, that people can connect mm. with each other. And I think in general, that's what I very much admire in Aminata's work <laughs> mm. um, is that she's all about, um, yeah, n- yeah, not so much about try- um, trying to explain, mm. you know, um, like that white people have to try and understand, you know, it, it's more about getting people together and people understanding each other. Mm. And of course, we see each other in, with labels, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't forget, of course, the the idea that there is a dominant and 
Um, mm. So there, there are there are certain identities which are seen as as a given, yeah. <laughs> which will not be mentioned, <laughs> if um, and they are and they're, yeah, or or mentioned less, yeah, and and, and they are ones that, that that people immediately see and they they have an idea of. Um, but I think, in the end, if we can try and find a way to connect with each other and to share with each other and to understand each other, mm. that that is um, very powerful. And um, but also, what I another thing that I um, found very interesting is all the things that can be going on when one is silent. Mm. Um, so you also you have this list. When I'm silent, I'm listening to the person. I'm reflecting. I am tired. <laughs> I'm listening to the messages in my body as in response uh, to what is being said, awaiting a strategic best moment to speak, or I have written you off as useless and non-worthy in my cause. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of different options, <laughs> basically. And and it's funny because I think, because I'm a kind of person who really likes to connect with people, and mm. I think I quite like speaking with people. But there are, of course, moments that sometimes you are just tired, and I do know what that feels like. And that is, I was like, oh yeah, there are moments where you just cannot be bothered anymore. You are just exhausted yeah. And I can imagine that that is not the same for everybody, how often you feel exhausted. Of course, I think as a woman, I have experienced it when, it, you know, mm -hmm. if, if we're talking about issues of what we have to deal with with the patriarchy. Yeah. I don't know if you have heard this book that has come out recently, the Dutch translation of, uh, it's called um, Men, I Hate Them. <laughs> no, I haven't heard of that <laughs> No, I, oh, no. Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a book written by a, a French author. Okay. And uh, I listened to a podcast um, where she is being interviewed. And yeah. it's very intriguing. I, it was really intriguing. Um, and she talks about how, well, she talks about women and how women sometimes maybe are um, complicit or, or they, they, they don't go against the patriarchy in a mm -hmm. way that they could. But she says it's also a way for self-protection and, mm -hmm. and that it is also just exhausting. And it, mm. it's less exhausting to not always have to, mm -hmm. to fight it. Mm -hmm. um, so, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I can imagine that if you have, if you look at intersectional way of looking at, of course, you know what everybody deals with. If you are dealing with that and racism, and you just get exhausted sometimes. Mm. Um, I don't know. So these are things that stood out with me, and I don't know. I, I didn't really have an, an, an opinion on how that should change, but it's, but but that exhaustion is yeah. is is of course a very logical reason why people can also be silent. Yeah, and, and yeah. we started. I think I think Mala, you said it. You know, silence is very powerful. And when I do trainings, I, I always make a point of discussing how powerful silence is. And um, we are quick to label, oh my gosh, they're not saying anything. So that's probably, so they're probably thinking about me. Oh my gosh, they're not saying anything. So that means, you don't know what it means. You don't know mm -hmm. what it means. It can mean a lot. It might just mean, you know, I'm about to fall asleep or I'm hungry or, you know. Um, <laughs> but But we so quick, you know. To, to fill to fill in that silence because oh that must mean you you don't know what it means and and in doing this work and in my in terms of my own growth I became aware sometimes silence means I have written you off and to be purposeful about not doing that because I know I have that in me oh you're useless never mind bye see you but that's you know <laughs> <laughs> and it works, you know, and, and again, if somebody hurts you or violates you, especially multiple times, is you know, at some point mm -hmm. it's good to say that. But if somebody makes one mistake, yes. do you write them off? And so I know I have that in me. So I have to be purposeful <laughs> about, no, I'm going to engage this person, even though my instinct tells me, see ya. But mm. no, <laughs> you know, but, but to be, <laughs> but to be, <laughs> but to be aware of how I use silence. And how I want to use it differently, keeping an eye on the, the community that I want to be a part of. So if I want to be a part of this dream community, then I have to deal differently with silence when it comes to that aspect. I cannot just write people off. Um, and again, there are times when it's, you know, when it's a good thing, but um, I could do it very easily. And, um, and so, I'm, I'm, so I'm very mm -hmm. purposeful about, no, 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 I am going to engage and at the same time, also being purposeful of, of, about saying, like, I'm not going there and I don't have to and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. Look it up. Google it. If you are serious about it, right. you will do some work. <laughs> you know, I'm not your walking encyclopedia. Mm. 
you know, my, my children do that. Uh, you know, those the, most of them, you know, only the youngest one is now in school. But he would he he picks papers to write. He said, Ma, do you know something about this subject? And that's the subject he will write about. So then he doesn't have to look it up because he can just come to me. I'm not your encyclopedia, you know. So, but 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 people tend to do that too, you know. Oh, I want to know about racism. Can you tell me? There's a book that you know. Do some do some work because that shows me. Yeah, educate yourself. Yeah. My mom did this when I was a when I was a, a child. <laughs> when I asked her for a difficult word, what it means, she always said, "Well, look it up <laughs> yep. in a dictionary." And I was like, "You can just <laughs> say what it means." But she wanted to teach me how to find yeah. information myself and get yeah. myself educated. <laughs> Now I I you know I, I I see the purpose and her <laughs> her yeah. yeah what she wanted to reach with it, but. No. When I was My a... son was really slick about it. Oh, Ma, you know so much about this stuff, don't you? Oh, tell me about it. In the meantime, <laughs> he's taking notes. That's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Go notes, look it up. yes. You know, and he calls like, oh, Ma, you're so smart. And you just trans know so much transcript about it. it. Mm -hmm. Look it up, boy. Clever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. So I'm curious because we're talking about everything that 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 made sense or that resonated or what stood out. Is there something that raised questions? Yeah, for me, uh, I had a, a question about yeah, but, but that's me. It's it's mm -hmm. it's always about black and white, mm. and there's so much in between that. Mm. Uh, uh, you have uh, no, I'm Indian, so uh, uh, and but you have uh, Native Americans, you have Chinese people. Yeah, this, mm -hmm. and I do a lot about uh, diversity and inclusion. I always read about black and white, mm. and yeah, mm. I, I always they think yeah, but mm. but what about the the the, the people in between? Mm. And it, it's a gray area, mm. so uh, uh, so that makes sense. But it uh, but it also didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah. But that's the thing that I'm struggling with. Well, I mean, this you know, you've just read one chapter. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So the book as a whole, yeah, it's it's really about everybody. But of course, when I, when yeah, when I write about personal stories. And this was very specific about Michael Brown. So that was very much, you know, a Black Lives Matter uh, example. But that just happened to be in, in this chapter. In, in the rest of the book, believe me, it's about, um, you know, it's about who we are as human beings. And, and also yeah. the experiences as human beings. And, and, um, and again, the experiences as human beings. And sometimes it's about gender and, you know, of ex you know, disability. I mean, I have a lot about Native American because that's part of my... Mm -hmm of my life experience too, you know, my, my, uh, my godmother and stuff. So, um, so it's in there. Um, and, and, and also I use the stories as examples to hopefully teach certain concepts that apply to everybody because it's about silencing. It's not about black versus white people. That just happened to be mm -hmm. the example of how it came out. But the lesson was about, you know, You can silence too much and miss that connection. That's what the lesson was about. And that's regardless of who you're dealing with. You know, that's not just about mm -hmm. what people deal with, but that, that just happened to be this example. But hopefully that concept will be clear regardless of who reads it, um, you know, and how they will apply to their lives that, you know, and uh, yeah. So when you read yeah. the rest of the book. <laughs> no, can't yes. wait. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate soon, that. soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Denise, did you want, because I, I heard you before, did you want to respond on this also? I didn't really have uh, any any questions. Mm -hmm. um, I felt that she was pretty clear in mm. in the things she was stressing in this particular yeah. uh, excerpt from the book. And um, it was a lot, it was a lot to think about. Yeah. I know one of the things I tell my daughters is that when they're dealing with a situation where maybe someone is... Um, Someone's being mean to them. Uh, maybe someone's uh, gossiping about them or saying uh, mean things. Uh, one of the things I tell them is, well, don't get in a debate with that person. Don't feel you have to confront them. Sometimes just saying nothing is the most powerful thing you can do. Mm. Uh, shut that person down by refusing to engage with them if you know that their intention is to be hurtful. Mm. As we were talking, I was thinking about that advice that I give my girls sometimes. 
and and it, and it is it is powerful uh, when people see that you're not even th- that you realize that what they're saying about you or what they're doing is purpose purposefully malicious, mm. and you're not going to take yourself to that place to that same place with them, and you don't even engage. People are that does set people back. They think, oh wow. She doesn't even feel the need to address me about this situation. So again, silence, uh, silence can be so powerful and so useful in the right context because you don't have to address everything that everyone is saying. If people are trying to be hurtful, if people are trying to be nasty, if people are gossiping about you, uh, you don't have to take yourself out of your safe space and feel the need to debate or defend yourself or give responses. Sometimes you can just be quiet and that says everything. Is there something that we haven't talked about yet that you really want to give a place in this conversation? I was just thinking about, I mean, it was mentioned before that I felt that there is also a lesson in mm. this. Um, but maybe if there, maybe there's also a question yeah. um, to Aminata to, to, um, if there's something to add. Because I felt that for me, at least it was a lesson to realize that you can, you can ask people to share their, share their story with you, share um, whatever it is that is going on with mm. them, with mm. you. And it is also okay to um to say, to hear no and to wait maybe there's something we can add or maybe Aminata could add um from your experience if it comes to there was something that happened right there, there was a moment that you suddenly felt I can't share now mm-hmm. after yeah. as you say years of not sharing yeah. mm-hmm. um your stories with with white people yeah. uh when it came to this topic and yeah. maybe there's more that 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 is to be learned Yeah, from that. thank you for that. Yeah, and it comes from it comes from trust. It comes from taking a risk, but all that comes out of having a relationship with somebody, you know. And that's why my first priority is you build a relationship. And if I have a relationship, we can sit in silence. And then when the time is right, when I feel it, when it's okay, then I will share, you know, and and vice versa. Um, but that's a very good point. Um, Because, you know, you can justify all kinds of reasons. Oh, they're not going to get it anyway. Then they can't go there with me. That's all stuff in my head. But if I'm with you and I feel you and you feel me, then all of that falls by the wayside. You know, because I know like with this man that called me, that's, you know, and I said, you know, I said, this man is my brother. So if my brother calls on me, I'm there. You know, and the fact that he's in the shape of a white man, you know, that's my brother. The relationship I have with him, that's my brother. You know, that's the, the relationship that we have built. And because of that, I can speak freely because I know he has my back. I have his back. And so it comes back mm. to, you know, what is racism or sexism or any ism that we trying to break through? <laughs> um, no, because because Mala made a good point, because it seemed, you know, because, again, that's just the story. But what it's about is, again, about that humanness. If I'm if I have a connection with you as a human being, then I know you got me. And then, you know, and all that other stuff is interesting, but that's just story. You know, that's just story. But what it's about is, you know, and so what, what, even when I work with people, you know, people are, oh, what do I do? And I want to know, you don't have to do anything. Can you just be with me? Can we just be together and sit in silence and be okay? Oh, my gosh, what won't she be thinking? And maybe I'm doing it wrong. You know, when you, can you get to the point like, we're just chilling. We're cool. And then, you know, but, but we're so conditioned. Am I sitting right? Am I doing it right? What will she be thinking? No, no, no. Will she still like me if I'm not saying enough? Maybe I should say something here. Da, 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 da. You know, it's insanity. And then, but once you can get to the point, I'm here. You know, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so glad that Denise is here and, and we haven't seen each other for years. But I remember I could always come to her house and we can, and, you know, and she's one of these people. You can just be with her. And it was always Denise. Mm-hmm. It was always good. You know, no matter mm. what we're going through with uh, our children and stuff, when you're with Denise, it's always good. You know, mm. 
Oh, thank you, Dominata. Yeah. I feel the same way. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you were a, a rock, a rock for me at some very difficult times in my life as well. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and if we can cultivate that, but we almost have to, you know, work on the unconditioning. We so conditioned to how I got to <laughs> do it, and I got to do it right. I got to do it this way, and if not, then that means da 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 da. Ah. <laughs> you know, and so and that, so that's where the silence mm-hmm. can. Can you, you know, mm, yeah. can you be silence all of that noise that that mm. interferes? That's the work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank and you. Th- yeah. And thank you for that question. Yeah. Let, let me say, let me say, uh, let me say one little thing. I, I, I was thinking about how Aminata mentioned, you know, being silent can be strategic. You're waiting for the right time and the right moment. And just thinking about current events in the news. Yeah. When you look at Prince Harry and Meghan, mm. they chose their mm. moment. Mm. They chose their mm. moment to come forward yeah. with their story, yeah. Yeah. with the fullness of yes. their story. Yes. Um, you know, they made they made this shocking decision to separate from the royal family mm. uh, and leave, but they didn't go into a lot of details at that time. Right. They waited till they got here, till they got themselves set up, they got themselves established and safe. felt safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that they could come out yeah. and they could tell their truth. Yeah. And look at the effect. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm. <Yeah. laughs> you have this institution, mm. you have this whole institution that is now on shaky ground. Yeah. People are questioning. Yeah. Um, the history of it. They're they're questioning the relevancy of it. Yeah. yeah. They're questioning the the, the intent. Uh, they're, they're, everything is everything is under a microscope, yeah. mm. and it's because they were silent when they needed to be silent. Right. Mm-hmm. They chose the right moment to to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, we're all just kind of. Sitting, sitting back, watching, waiting for the, the next domino to fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, but no, but, this, but this, you know, one of the things I write about too, because the goal is, is you know, I call it cracking. You want to force that crack, you know, you want to force that earthquake to shake things up because that's when, that's when the opportunity for new growth comes through, you know, to disrupt. That's yeah. what we want to do. We want to disrupt this the whole status quo. So, yeah, that's a beautiful example. (laughs) (laughs) Poor royals, they don't know what hit them. (laughs) And I think this is a great speech to um, bring this conversation to a close. And thank you so much for having taken the time to sit here with us. And I want to thank everyone at home who is listening, of course. Have a great day. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you so much. much. Yes. So much. Enjoy yeah. Aqua to play. All right. Thank you, Denise. <laughs> to Before we sign off, we would like to give a special thank you to our guest today. Thank you, Podcast Studio Amsterdam, for producing this podcast. And thank you, our audience, for tuning in and spreading the word. 